episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warlow and I have another amazing guest lined up for you today. Now this podcast is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, sharing tools and resources, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I have one small request. Would you be willing to go to iTunes or whatever app it is that you're listening to us on and subscribe and leave a rating and review? Because it's so helpful to us. It actually enables the algorithms to find us. It helps people find our community and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. It's a small thing, but it would actually mean so much to us. So thank you. So are you ready to be inspired? Because today our guest on the podcast is Dr. Scott Mills. Now Scott is the creator of the Human Evolution System, a gentle approach to creating more resilience, abundance and joy in the lives of people. His work blends Eastern and Western approaches to train your brain to create more possibility. You can find him teaching on Mind Valley as well as working with private clients around the world. Now he describes himself as a cross between Yoda and Bill Nye the Science Guy. And for over 25 years now, he's been studying how humans really work and helping them find their path to freedom. So welcome, Scott. Oh, thank you so much, Jean. It is so good to be with you. I'm just so excited <laughs> about this conversation. Me too. And, um, you know, I, I mean, you and I, we go back a few years now, Scott, but um, our listeners, they, they don't really know you as a human and you're one of my favorite humans on the planet. So I want to ask you to just give our listeners a little bit of a sense of, you know, who's the human that lies behind that professional bio? You know, it's so funny that people ask that question. Um, you know, I, I'm happy to answer it, but it's, you know, one of the things that people say about me all the time, I, I just, I just had someone post this on Facebook the other day. He said, wow, I got to meet with Dr. Scott and he's actually like a normal person. So, <laughs> as if, you know, I would have three heads or be some strange thing because I, I study this human evolution. And it's, you know, it's so funny when I met you, we, I was thinking about this. Um, I was speaking on a panel in the middle of Sedona. It's right. a MetaMind where Evan Pagan had invited a hundred of yeah. his, his smartest friends to the desert <laughs> for a weekend. And I showed up and I was so shy, you know, and you were one of those angels that came over immediately and connected and just lighted <laughs> up the room. And, and so, you know, so part of what people, you know, don't realize, they think, oh, you see me on stage or you see me speaking. And it's like, oh, this guy's like, super extrovert he's all out there and I still walk into rooms and feel shy and still like you know I'm, I'm just human like everybody else and have such a good time getting to be in conversation with other humans like you and guiding folks into change um, in a way that's gentle and easy um, to me that's like the most fun I can have so I don't know if that answered your question but if it didn't ask me more no, it totally did. You know, and in some ways, the way you answered that is just the way that I experience you in the world. You know, in some ways, you're just so like 
like you are normal but in some ways you're like I mean what is normal anyway but you're like an open book you're just so lovely I love being in conversation with you I totally do um and I'm hoping to find out a bit more about you today. So I'd love to ask you, you know, the human evolution system, you kind of said it yourself there. You know, it sounds like to people who are not in that space, it can sound like something like that's really grand and like out of reach. So tell us a bit about, you know, your journey, your path towards getting to where you are now in life and business. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I... I think my path has been the weirdest squiggly line. So anybody who thinks that life happens in straight lines, um, they have not lived my life. So I, I have been, um, you know, I've been in service in one form or another for almost 30 years now, which is really interesting to think about. I am, um, was this really kind of bullied, quiet, out of place kid for a long time um, who didn't, didn't know how to fit in but knew that I wanted to be helping other people. And I remember like the first, first opportunity I had to do that was at 17 when I stepped into a crisis intervention hotline. And I haven't stopped doing that work since, but it's taken so many different forms. You know, I, I initially was going into service to work in, in churches and I went, ah, you know, this is not my thing, um, but I want to be in service. So I ended up being a college professor for years until I got bored and was doing social work and started a federal demonstration project and started a theater company for kids called Youth Acting Against AIDS in DC. Um, so I was really, really in the front lines of the um, HIV prevention, particularly with youth for a long time. And then somehow found my way into this weird world of coaching um, and didn't expect it at all. Didn't expect to ever do anything related to business. But I had had a pretty um, traumatic situation happen where my income changed a lot years and years and years ago. And I had been such a like a ivory tower guy. I knew nothing about money. I knew nothing about business. Um, I just wanted to teach. And so I ended up studying all of this work around business, around coaching, and ended up stepping into this place of teaching people all over the world, which again is like crazy. Um, you know, I was like, wait, I'm this, you know, kid from Virginia and here I am teaching in Mind Valley with thousands of students and you know, <laughs> working with people all over the place. And, you know, I look at this, this trajectory and I'm like, oh yeah, none of that makes any sense. You know, there's places where there's kind of magical leaps where I, I was introduced, you know, one of my business partners at one point was Sark. Um, who is extraordinary human being, Susan Ariel Rainbow Kennedy, who um, wrote a book in the 90s called Succulent Wild Woman that really changed so many people. And then now, you know, my last teaching partner has been Ken Honda, who's Japan's top-selling personal development author. So, you know, you look and it's like, wow, what, what a gift this life has been and who knows what more it will hold. Um, so, so that's kind of where I've been, where I'm going, has been lately stepping much more into my role of teacher. Um, I think it's been comfortable to, to work with people uh, in the background quite a bit. And I love it. I do so much one-on-one -on -one work, but people keep asking me to teach what I'm doing. So I've been stepping out more and more <laughs> and doing these podcasts and, and talking to people and sharing some of what I've learned. Um, I will say, the, the one thing I, I want to point out, the human evolution system, you said, you know, it feels really grand. Mm. And in some ways, it is grand, but I would say more it's elegant. 
and what it is, just so folks get some sense of, of where I'm coming from, is a, a really a deep blend of Eastern philosophy and psychology. So I, I root my work a lot in Taoist and Buddhist thought, but also bring it the best of the Western world. So deep conversation between cultures, be, between ways of thinking about people. And it actually is quite simple. So at the end of the day, what I'm encouraging people to do is three things. And I'll just, just kind of name them right up front so you know what I'm about. The first is I'm encouraging people to embrace their wholeness. So one of the things that you'll hear me say over and over, if you come study with me ever, or you will probably come into in this interview on this, um, is that we are all whole. None of us are broken. And so many of us have been taught that we're broken, we're not enough, we're somehow damaged goods. And what I want to have people hear first and foremost is if you woke up this morning and you showed up for life, you are braver than you think and you are far more resilient than you imagine. So that's the beginning of the work. The second thing that I encourage people to do is release the distortions. All of those things that you've told yourself about how you're unworthy, you're broken, you're small, if we can allow them to just go back to where they came from, because they didn't come from you, we actually have a different experience of life. It's pretty easy, right? So a lot of that's working with the brain because the brain picks up those patterns, um, but, but we can unravel those. And the third thing I encourage people to do is just to expand their capacity, their capacity for joy, their capacity for love, their capacity for creativity, um, and those are things as humans, we can all do. We're hardwired to be able to, to expand those capacities. So that's really the human evolution system in a nutshell. And what, you know, no matter what I'm teaching um, is at the core of what I'm about. I love that you mentioned that. And the way you speak to that, Scott, it is just so, well, you said the word elegant. And that's what it feels like to me as you were kind of flowing through that. It was so funny. My hand started to move in this kind of like figure of eight. <laughs> it was so weird. It was just like a, a fl it was just like a beautiful flow coming out of you. So thank you for sharing that. And I love your, um, your first point there about embracing wholeness that we're not broken because, um, um, to me that, you know, the irony is not lost on me that in the world of coaching, one of the things that is often talk about is, you know, come and work with me as a coach and I'll make you whole. <laughs> and it's so funny because the irony is we are all whole. And, and I, and one of the things I was actually talking yesterday to a leader about was, you know, we are all whole and this is another premise that I have, which is we all show up whole regardless. It's just that we're not always conscious of everything that everybody else is reading in our behaviors and our, and our energy. And I'd love to get your sense of that because to me, I think we are all already whole. And so I love your thing saying embrace your wholeness because to me that's embrace your shadow as well as just what you are, you know, happy perhaps to show the world because in many ways, I think particularly for leaders, they're showing the world their wholeness anyway, regardless of whether they like all of the pieces or not. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let me let me start <laughs> in something you said kind of in the intro to that question. Yeah. Um, so many of our coaches and our, um, our healers have been taught, unfortunately, by, I mean, often marketers, that the way we get clients is we tell people all the ways they're broken. 
And right. so they assume we have the solutions. So what I want people to understand is the way that you introduce someone else to their wholeness, because often we've forgotten, right? We mm -hmm. have no idea how strong, how smart, how amazing we are. Um, so the way we introduce wholeness to people is by seeing them in their wholeness. So whenever someone says to you, come to me, I will help you move through your brokenness into wholeness. What I want you to do is run from them because <laughs> these are people who are not investing the time or energy in right. seeing you in your wholeness. Right. If they see you in your wholeness, they never need to say that. And if you are a coach who's listening to this and you're going, oh, but wait, that's the way I get clients. Um, that's the only way I know how to do this. Or, oh, you're judging me. I'm not judging anybody. Right. And what I'm saying is this is something for you to look at. This is something for you to really step into the experience of what it means to see another person in their wholeness. The beginning of that is actually to see yourself in your wholeness mm. and not project your own brokenness onto someone else. Mm. So what happens is this extraordinary thing. When I show up as whole, when I show up as complete, is what I mean by that, as a mm -hmm. child of God, as a child of the universe, not particularly invested in a, a particular religious system, but as, as, as an energy, right? If I show up as a whole person and I'm able to see that in myself and I look across at you and I go, Jane, wow, Jane is amazing. Let me see all of the ways that she brings all of her resourcefulness, her joy, her love, her life into this moment. Just by seeing you, I give you permission to see yourself that way and become a mirror and this is not the way most western psych works i gotta tell you the way i generally think about this um and i, I was a child of self-help <laughs> you know i grew up a lackey <laughs> me too who, who had some issues right so i spent most of my 20s reading self-help books even when i was working on my phd um you know and looking doing work you know doing all these exercises um and and looking for the ways that I could fix my brokenness. And what I realized is Western psych is like the funniest thing ever. Um, it, it, if you were a house guest of mine and I, you came to my house and you've been on a long journey, you know, you're in Ohio now, I'm in Portland, so you had to come across country, you had to go through airplanes, you were tired, and you showed up to my house and I said, oh, Jane, it's so good to see you. Now, I've got this nice room for you, but could you um, maybe clean my house and make the dinner for everybody and maybe paint the room you're going to be sleeping in before you actually get to rest, right? This is what most Western psych does. You, people come to us and they're tired, they're overwhelmed, they're feeling a little hopeless, right? They've lost touch with their wholeness. And we go, oh my God, you're so broken. Here's 50 things for you to do to get moving. But all you want to do is rest. So the beginning of this is to give people a sense that it's okay to rest. It's okay to restore. It's okay to actually come back to that place of center where we breathe in and we breathe out, right? Most of us are just breathing out all the time, never breathing in. Yeah. So when I say embrace our wholeness, it's to come back to that place of center, of groundedness, of restfulness, where we know who we are, and we know we have something to offer and we can just be, be in this moment, in this present moment.
you can hear a little of the Buddhist coming out. Mm. It's lovely though, because I'm just finding myself exhaling as you're talking and just kind of resting with you <laughs> in this place, yeah. which is just, I mean, it's just a lovely place to find myself. You know, my experience at this side is just like, oh, that's okay. I don't need to be anybody other than who I am. And I can just be with Scott. And that being with, for me, I think in our society collectively is something we've forgotten in a way. Yeah, it's, it's very hard just to be present to people. There, yeah. When we have these little voices running in our head that say, you have to be this to be loved. You have to be this to be successful. You have to be this to be liked. You know, we have all of these rules. And I, I do this little experiment. Um, one of the people that I'm just so excited about always is Vishen Lakshani with uh, Mind Valley. He started yes. Mind Valley. Yep. And he calls these things rules, which are bullshit rules <laughs> that we all have. Right? We all lived with these rules. And he, he teases about, you know, identifying these rules that are not serving us. So lately I've been having people imagine writing all of those rules all of those expectations for yourself, for others, all of the ways the world should be, you know, that we get mad because that person should wait in line patiently. That person shouldn't be angry. That person shouldn't be upset, right? We have all these rules. So I've been inviting people. And, you, you know, if you're listening on this call and you want to do this just as an experiment to see how you feel, imagine a great big blackboard in front of you. Imagine writing all those rules up there. Just And you'll see, like, it's extraordinary. If you start writing these, there's rule after rule after rule that we have to remember. Now, when you do that, if you just imagine erasing that blackboard, yeah. as I see it erase, I don't know about you, but all of me goes, oh, what if I don't have to live by somebody else's rules? What if... I am able just to be present to myself and present to life and trust that things will be okay. Now, of course, I'm not saying abdicate responsibility for life. Don't help other people. In fact, what happens is when all those rules disappear, when all those ways of, of expecting from other people disappear and we stop fighting with life, we actually start to notice our deep connection to each other. We start to notice my heart touching your heart. And when that happens, these things we're afraid of, like, oh, nobody's ever going to help each other. You know, we'll just be selfish. That's actually not what happens. As soon as we actually allow ourselves to show up as ourselves and we stop listening to those voices, we just drop into presence with other people. And we can say, wow, Jane, I can see your joy. I can feel your sadness. I can be with your anxiousness. You know, and we've all got this stuff going on. We're all a mix right now, especially with this COVID um, virus running around the world. We are all a mix of emotions all the time. And the more we can sit with each other and it's okay for those emotions, that whole self to show up, the, which is I think what you were talking about with shadow, mm -hmm. um, the more we can allow for each other to, to arrive and emerge. Um, that's where newness happens. That's, I mean, for coaches, for change makers, when you can sit in curiosity and wholeness with another person, um, and you have to actually know your own wholeness to be able to identify with curiosity. Otherwise, you're going to be putting your rules on somebody else. But as soon as you allow yourself to just feel your own wholeness and be with somebody else in their wholeness, you can start to go, wow, I'm really curious about this person. Well, the cool thing there is then they get to be curious about themselves. 
And together we start to see parts of ourselves that we didn't know existed. We start to expand together and evolve. To me, that's where this gets really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I just love listening to you. It's, uh, it's, it's really great. <laughs> just listening to you speak is just like, oh my God, it's so refreshing. It's lovely. And um, I, I want to go on because we, we actually called this From Fear to Resilience, right? That's, that was the title we gave our conversation. So I'm going to kind of place it as a North Star here, but I don't want to lose the threads, right, that's coming through so far. And I'm just wondering, because I was, I was listening to you and I was thinking about everything that you were saying and thinking, actually, the human evolution system that you've, you've kind of shared with us so openly and you've given us these three points, is that what this is? Is it taking people from fear to resilience or is it something else? So I think taking people from fear to resilience is just the beginning. So mm. I placed um, place that actually in the, the space of embracing wholeness. Um, so, so it's just the place we start. Right. Um, what I've been talking about a lot lately in this space has been what I call super resilience, yeah. which is a little different than the way we understand resilience. So I, I want to name this first because I think um, I, I just taught this lovely class the other night and somebody posted a comment oh yeah super resilience is grit plus determination and and i loved that they were engaging and i said oh thank you for your contribution not at all what we're talking about you know <laughs> beautiful to have you in the conversation but this is not where we're going where okay. we're going super resilience is, is just just for those who've never heard me talk about this super resilience is actually the capacity to trust life to be able to flow with life. Um, it's it coming from a Taoist concept that says, go up when the river goes up, go down when the river goes down. So we learn to be in relationship to life in a way that allows for the movements of life to happen. So this is the beginning of resilience, super resilience. And inside of that is the capacity to ask for what you need when you need it, the capacity to receive fully you know, it's one thing to, to ask for something, but if we don't receive it, it doesn't do very much. And then the capacity to give with that expectation. So this is the core of what I call super resilience. And one of the most important things for people to remember is the traditional way we think about resilience is this kind of He-Man, She-Ra, you know, Shiro hero kind of perspective, like we're supposed to take on the world on our own, right? <laughs> we can do it all. And, it, and it, this is not what I'm talking about. In fact, what I tell people is that super resilience is not about the capacity to do something all by yourself. Instead, it's knowing that you are never all by yourself. You are never alone. Once you know that you're never alone and you can begin to tap in to the web of life, the inextricable web of life, as Martin Luther King Jr. used to call it, um, then you actually can draw on all of these resources, all of these people, all of this energy. You know, I call this the difference between being a generator and a conduit in our lives. A lot of the people who are listening are going to be generators, self-generators. Like, they must make everything happen themselves. Like, I've, you know, I've been there. This is something I lived a lot. 
versus a conduit where you become like the orchestrator, like the conductor of a symphony and you're drawing everything in together. Well, super resilience is the capacity to be a conduit for all of the energy that's moving through life and all of the people that surround you so they can support you when you need them and vice versa. So you can jump support them when they need it. So to me, this is just the beginning of the human evolution system. That's just to recognize where we are and what we're capable of in this moment, where when we look at where we're going, it's really for me about evolving ourselves as human beings so that we have much greater capacity to shift our world. Like our world is in need of a lot of attention and love right now. Um, and we need to learn how to teach people how to do that. You know, the, what we've been taught lately has been how to yell at each other across, you know, partisan lines, how to, um, how to get ragey, how to, um, how to find fault in each other. And I, I just got to tell this quick thing, and I know I'm just rattling on and on, but I, I was in Las Vegas not too long ago at a conference. And usually my conferences that I go to, especially if I'm speaking, they're just full of the most loving people you're ever going to meet, right? They're, they're not money people necessarily. They're not business people. They're just these beautiful healers that want to make the world a better place. Well, I happened to be in a different kind of conference that was about marketing. It was about... Um, how to build businesses. And I sat down at a table and a woman said to me, oh, we're probably on the other, you know, opposite sides of the table. You know, we're probably not going to agree with each other. She decided that before I sat down because I was a healer. I was a coach. And I said, you know, um, it's so easy right now to look across at somebody and say, you voted for this person, you voted for that person. Um, and, and call this person other outsider, disconnected from me, into me, exiled from me. And I, I, I made a commitment before I'd shown up for this event to not be in that space with anyone. And I said to her, look, that's not the America that I live in. That's not the planet I live on. Um, everywhere I go, I talk to people who want the same things. Everyone I talk to wants to be healthy. They want their families to be healthy. They want to be happy. They want to experience meaning in their life. They want to be loved. I said, there's no difference between us, no matter who you voted for, no matter who I voted for. Um, and it was so interesting because this woman who had decided before I sat down that somehow, and she wouldn't have called me this, but somehow I was her enemy before I sat down. Because this is what the world has taught us to do. It's taught us to sort for danger and to sort for enemies. She decided that before I sat down. By the end of this three-day event, she was hugging me and saying, I feel like you're my soul brother, right? This is what we need to teach the world how to do, is to cross the lines um, with our hearts, right? to be an advocate for people on any side of any line, um, any person in any place of, on the planet. Because one of the gifts of COVID, which is a, an interesting phrase, I know, but it's been to remind us that these lines we draw in the sand and these lines we draw between our hearts are completely imaginary. Our breath is what connects us. Our hearts are what connect us. Mm -hmm. 
And you are totally speaking our language now, <laughs> Scott. Um, absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I love the way you managed the woman in Vegas, because I'm not so sure I would have managed it in quite as you know, wonderful ways as you are talking about there. And I think that... I've got to jump in here, Jean. I didn't manage yeah. her at all. Okay, so yeah, I do. Um, so I, if I was managing her, I would have seen her as broken and dangerous and I needed to control her. Mm. This is what we've Thank been you. taught to do. Yeah. So what I did instead was exactly what I've been talking about with the human evolution system. I embraced her wholeness. Mm. I looked across a table at her and I knew that what I was hearing was just projection, projections right. of her own exiled parts of herself. And I chose not to listen to those distortions of her. Yeah. And I chose to look at her, my heart to her heart, and say, we're connected in the same family. You are my sister, whether you've recognized it or not, whether I've met you or not. Um, so I embraced her wholeness. There was no management at all. As soon as I start managing people um, in that way, I make them smaller than who they are. Mm. So I does that mean, you, so let me ask you a question about that. Does that mean you don't manage yourself either? It's such an interesting word. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's funny. I, so let me sit with that for a second. I don't even know how to answer that. I, I would say the way I try to engage my life is to be present in this moment as much as possible. And that said, um, because I know that I have some bigger work to do in the world, that this teaching is important to me that it's important to be doing things like podcasts and um, writing. I do manage myself in the sense of like creating some goals, creating some um, project timelines, but I also don't get very attached to them, which is a very Buddhist way <laughs> to build things. Um, you know, I see, because part of what I know is I can make a plan and I've teased a lot of my business owners I work with. I said, you know, how many of you put on your 90-day business plan the coronavirus? And the answer is absolutely no one. Um, so, you know, I, I can have kind of a, an idea, an intention of where I want to go. I can manage myself in the sense that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to choose to eat healthy. I'm going to choose to work certain ways. I'm going to choose to move my body but I don't find them to be management. You know, in my ideal world, mm. I'm flowing with what my body needs. I'm flowing with what my soul's calling me to do. So it's not, management has this feel to me um, of pushing somebody. You know, so much of our productivity and our efficiency tools, you know, so much of our way of working with life is about pushing rather than allowing or moving with. So, so I would say my goal is to move with life as much as possible. If I know, you know, here's the, the place we get afraid. We go, oh, he's saying move with life. I would just lay on the couch and eat Cheetos and watch Columbo all day. And, you know, I have days that I do that, right? <laughs> I'm like, not Cheetos. I think they're gross. But um, I, I joke all the time that at some point Cheetos is going to sue me because they're my anti-food. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I have, you know, laid on the couch and watch Columbo. That's, you know, my body felt like it needed to rest. Um, and I think people fear that's exactly what they'll do all the time. But that's largely because people are doing things they're not inspired by. 
But when we're, we're connected to ourselves and we know what wakes us up in the morning with joy, what moves us, like there's nothing I'd rather be doing than having a conversation with you right now, mm. you know, or working with a client or writing. Like, so, you know, I'm very fortunate that I get to do exactly what I love doing. Um, so it doesn't yeah. become management. It becomes flowing with to partnering with life. So it's interesting because in, in, you know, and I love that we're kind of digging into the syntax here because when you were talking about the woman in Vegas and, and I mentioned managing, for me, you see, I, in that situation, and I'm just going to out myself, I would have been in my map of the world managing my emotions <laughs> because I would probably have been triggered in some way, right? So what would have happened for me is, and, and I'm totally with you in the flowing with, but before I can flow with, I, I need to manage. And, and in my map of the world, that managing means the first thing is I have to bring it into my awareness. So I have to notice, right, how what's going on inside of me and, and what emotions are kind of bubbling up. And then secondly, I have to kind of take a deep breath and then think, okay, so now I know because it's in my awareness. Now like, let me not just react. Let me put a bit of brain power in here and work out, okay, what's my intention with this? <laughs> and it makes me sound weird, me saying all this, I know. Because what I'm trying to do is say, okay, so I want to move next into alignment with, you know, being authentic, but like being the person I want to be when I'm with this, this woman, be, with this energy here. And then, and then what am I going to do? So it's all about self-management in a way. And then my third thing then is, you see, once I, I'm kind of clear on the inside, it's like, okay, now how do I express that externally? And, and so how do I tune with her? Right. So like, what is that? And I love your way of, for me, what you said was when you see her wholeness, that's like, um, that's the attunement. That's the resonance in, in the space in between you two. And then only mm -hmm. through being in relationship with her can then I, because I, I actually see it a little bit as a self-actualizing <laughs> process as well. I learn and I learn to integrate this stuff and get more practiced at it by you know, being very aware of what I'm going through at the time. So when I say management, that, that was kind of, I'm thinking, gosh, that's, you've got a really different like view of the word. It doesn't feel like push to me, but it does feel like kind of being in relationship with, so I can then flow in that space, that attuned space between us. So I'd love so to hear your sense of that. Yeah, yeah, do, do. Yeah. So I'd love to tease you a little here. So yeah, language do. is important Language builds the structures of our world, the way we think about it. Oh, so, totally. Um, so when you say I have to, I have yes. to. Yes, thank you I for picking to. me up on that. So, <laughs> fascinating to me because yeah. you're choosing to. And like, I'm fine yeah. with that as a process, right? Yeah. If, that's, if that's the way you, you work, beautiful. Yeah. Now, personally, it sounds exhausting to me. Yes, and, and I, th I think it probably it, is. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and I'll tell you why. Because yeah. you're having to kind of having to, that's the word yeah. you, you use, but I'll say you're choosing to do those things with each encounter with each person. Yeah. So my preference is to actually work the brain before you ever encounter those people mm -hmm. so that when you encounter, you don't have to go through anything because if I know I'm whole, I'm safe and I'm supported. 
which are the first three pieces of the eight mm -hmm. um, that I teach with super resilience. So I show up with this woman and I know I'm safe. So she doesn't have to become the enemy for me, even if I mm -hmm. become the enemy to her. Um, if I know I'm supported, which helps like knowing like, oh, even if I become the enemy to her, there's people who will support me, right? I'm okay. That's mm -hmm. really where I'm starting. And I can drop into my own wholeness. I don't have to do any of that. I can just be with her. So I can much more quickly be present to her. Now, when I say that, that sounds like I'm just going, oh, just know that I'm safe. Absolutely not. Our brains have trained us. We've trained our brains yeah. um, to recognize safety, to experience safety in certain ways. So we actually have to work with the brain in advance to allow the brain to get back to safety very quickly. Um, it's one of the things I teach pretty much everyone I work with is how to, get to the, how to let the brain find its sense of safety so you're not working out of sympathetic nervous system, which is what I, the easy way to remember this is stressed out nervous system um, and peaceful nervous system, which is your parasympathetic nervous system. If you wanna be with her in a way that allows her to be fully her and you to be fully you, you mm -hmm. have to be in your parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So if we practice some things in advance, we're able to show up in a different way. And it's funny, I was able to listen to um, uh, Roshi Joan Halifax recently. Mm. She was at a, a conference I was at last year. And she said, you know, we don't meditate to, to get better at meditation. We meditate to get better at life. So to me, this is what, when I do brain retrainings, which is a lot of the human evolution system work, is teaching our brain how to do something new and training it. Um, it's so that when life shows up, we can be better able to engage it so 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 then when you sit down with that woman you you can choose to just breathe mm. step into your own wholeness if you have forgotten it for a moment and just be present i love that because that you wait it's the soon as you said ha, you said have to right um I, I, like this is something i know about myself and this is the work that I do with others. And yet here it still is <laughs> in my own nervous system. And, and, and so now I'm really intrigued. It's like, okay, so how do I, how do I train my brain so that I can have done the work to feel safe? Because as you were speaking, Scott, I thought, yeah, if I'm showing up in a room full of marketers and it's a huge conference, it's in Vegas, yeah, maybe, and I've never thought of this before, maybe I don't feel safe as I walk in the room. And actually, viscerally, I can conjure that feeling up in my body right now, and I think, yeah, I don't feel safe as I walk oh, in the room. This is such a normal feeling to have. Yeah. Um, it, it's so funny. So I had a coach years ago, um, the brilliant Carl Buchheit. If, if you haven't read his book, Transformational Psychology, it's, it's definitely worth reading. Um, and he's just amazing. So he worked with me for years. I studied with him quite a bit after I finished my PhD. And, um, I, you know, I had really coded a lot of the world as unsafe. You know, I had been a kid who had been bullied a whole lot, who had, you know, something of a ragey father that I didn't know what was going to happen when I'd walk into a room. Um, so I had really like coded a lot of the world as unsafe. So I get it. Like I get it in my bones. Mm, I um, do. And it was so funny because I walked into a room one day and I have to say before I say this, that he had a lot of rapport with me and he had a lot of love for me. 
So this was set in love with great rapport. Don't try this with your coaching clients. Um, so I walked in this room. I don't know what I was asking him. I asked him some question. And he said to me, do you know how rude you are? And I went, what? Because, you know, like I've always thought I'm a pretty nice person. You know, I don't want to make waves, whatever. Um, you know, I'm, people say I'm sweet. I'm like, oh, but then I have a dark side, right? You know, everybody has a dark side. You don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> Right. So, you know, so he says this to me, I'm like, what, what do you mean? I'm rude. He said, every room you walk into, you look for who's dangerous. Oh and, gosh. and I realized, yeah, he, he's right. And he kept speaking. And this is the best part. He said, you know, if you walked into a room full of kittens, you would look for the dangerous one. And the funny thing is my brain went, well, kittens are really destructive. They'll run up <laughs> curtains. You know, I said he was right, right? Like even the kitten, I was looking for the way that they might be dangerous. You know, yeah. to my furniture, maybe they're going to scratch me. Like, so we've learned how to live in a world like this. And so I, much of what we surround ourselves with is reinforcing yeah. how dangerous people on the quote unquote other side right? Yeah. So going into Vegas with people who are not our normal people, where we somehow feel out of place, like most of us who are, consider ourselves some kind of change makers or healers, maybe mm. would feel different, you know, in that place, like, oh, I'm different then, you know, so which immediately means everybody's got to be dangerous. If that's what we've been taught yes. quite a bit, especially in lately. So we actually have to get our brain to to relax enough to notice that we are safe in any situation. Now, I, I will say the caveat to this is please don't think I mean like if somebody's actively abusing you right. or you know, you're, in a, you're in a literally dangerous situation, um, then you know, get out of those situations. That when I say you're always safe, that's, those are the exclusions, but those are very, very small in the spectrum of, our, of most of our lives. Um, what we're really talking about is kind of this psychological danger, this feeling that we might be other than, which is just a feeling, right? Our feelings are um, transient, they're impermanent, they move through us very quickly. So we can attach to those feelings and feel unsafe, or we can choose to relate to them in a new way. Now, I, I can't unfortunately teach how to get you your brain to do this because it actually takes <laughs> yeah, come on scott like okay. can't we do this in um, three minutes <laughs> you, you actually can do it in three minutes the funny thing is the way that i teach people to do this is through an exercise i call safety reset yeah. it's one of the many pieces that i teach um but in the safety reset it's funny you say three minutes the assignment i give clients <laughs> is to do it twice a day for three minutes because what they're doing is they're essentially what you're doing um, the way you get here is you teach your brain to uncouple its negative thoughts. Because walking into a room of marketers, even if you were like the most spiritual, like airy fairy, like I just love life, breatharian, right? You, you, like <laughs> just completely <laughs> as woo as you can get. Um, they're not going to be dangerous to you, even if they don't right. like you. Chances right. are they're not going to hit you with sticks or, you know, chase you with a pitchfork. <laughs> but here's what our brains do. Our brains are associative. So, and they look for danger. It's how we've survived. So our brains start looking for danger and they don't just take one thought. You know, you have this thought that like, oh, maybe people won't talk to me. Okay. Right. If, you know, if that's the case, like if you could have a rational conversation with your brain with that, which some people try to do, which I don't recommend, you, you could have this conversation for weeks. 
But, you know, I, I might say, well, okay, well, nobody talks to me. I'll call a friend on my phone or I'll go do something else or I'll go see a show. You know, there's so many options. But our brain doesn't just have one negative thought. It does this thing we call catastrophizing or snowballing. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but like something oh happens my. Have I ever? work <laughs> and like somebody s- says something to you that's unpleasant and all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, this means they hate me, which means they're going to fire me, which means I'm not going to have this money, which means probably nobody's ever going to hire me again and I'm going to be broke. And there I am, you know, before I'm done, I'm under a bridge with a little tin cup and a monkey dancing and we're begging for money from people, right? You know, like our brains just go on this crazy journey. And if we can teach our brains to uncouple the cars of the train, right? So that one thought doesn't have to lead to another negative thought to another negative thought. If we can teach our brain to come back between the thoughts to safety, it doesn't matter how many scary thoughts we have because our brain learns no matter what we think about, no matter what pictures we project inside our own heads, we can always get back to a place of safety. As soon as our brain learns that, it will do a quick check to say, am I actually in danger? Is there any reason for me to physically fear for my life here? And if the answer is no, we're fine. You know, I just, I just feel like you know me. It's on such a deep level here, thank God. Um, and I was kind of giggling as you were talking about the way your brain catastrophizes because I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what my brain does. And then that's I'm thinking, like, and I'm it's thinking human. now, I've never realized that I scan a room for danger, but I, I went to the store yesterday for the first time in a number of weeks. I just haven't been. And I had a mask on and there was a few, there was actually a few people with masks on and quite a lot of people that didn't. But I could like, even now in like, well, more so now, I feel like we're in this crucible of, and I didn't realize I walked into the store just to pick up some things. And I realized I was scanning for danger. Like (laughs) all the time I was like, like, what am I touching? And am I touching my face and all this stuff? And I hadn't realized that that is what's running the show for me right now. And I think has been running the show forever. I mean, there are rooms I walk into where I don't scan for danger. I feel like if I go into a coaching conference, I'm not scanning for danger. But the way you set up the Las Vegas marketing conference reminds me of when I first came to America as a Brit, one of the first conferences I went to was in Vegas and it was a room full of internet marketers, most of them (laughs) male. And I was in this space where I was just like, what am I doing in this room? (laughs) Like, Like it felt like danger all around but I've never given it that language and just for me to have that in my awareness I just want to thank you because oh my gosh it's such a revelation (laughs) I love it well I I want to talk I want to speak to a little bit of your experience in the grocery store though yeah Um, but beautiful to notice that you you've been scanning for danger (laughs) um one of the things that folks haven't recognized um is that we're actually living in a trauma bath right now yeah. Um, which I think is important for folks to understand, particularly for people who are coaches and change makers, because when we come out of this trauma bath, we're going to have a lot of people with PTSD, complex PTSD, um, some, real, some real things that we need to help them unravel because they won't know how to do that for themselves yet. So part of what's happening, so when you walked into that grocery store, different than when you walk into a room, Like the room actually probably doesn't have any real danger, 
part of what happens in it in this experience of trauma all around us um part of trauma is not knowing where the actual danger is feeling confused feeling that anything could be a threat feeling uncertain loss of a safety anchor like those are actually all of the things that have been going on with the coronavirus Mm. and so the very first thing when you walk into that grocery store that you need to be able to do is be gentle with yourself so to recognize yes this is a very scary time to be living in we don't know we don't even understand completely how this virus trans transmits yet you know this may change hopefully quickly but not even like not having much information being in this place of confusion it's very easy to walk into a place and feel like all of a sudden I'm not in my safety anchor, which is usually our homes right now because we can keep them very clean. We can choose who's coming in. Um, So if we can be gentle with ourselves and just say, okay, this, you know, I, yeah, I've got to make some choices. I'm making choices all the time, right? All of life is at some, some level risk, you know, even staying at home would be risk, right? What am, what am I risking here? What am I worth? What's worth risking? Um, So to be gentle with yourself, the second thing that we want to do is to really allow ourselves give me one second to see how to say this um it's a, it's to allow ourselves to let whatever emotion moves through us move through us so if there's sadness because there's going to be some grief right i think this is part of what's going on for the people who are refusing to wear masks um it's, it's like a denial of life changing. As long as I don't put that mask on, it means that the world really hasn't changed. Now there's probably more reasons for that, but I could see where that's really an easy one. But the other thing to do, so we, we let our own emotions move, but the other thing that's really important is to recognize when something is your emotion and when it's somebody else's. Because part of living in this traumatic cycle right now is that literally everybody I talk to has got some level of rumbling anxiety across the planet. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I work globally. So like every day I'm traveling around the world um, with via zoom with people and I'm checking in what's going on in Italy, what's going on in Istanbul, what's going on in Hong Kong, what's going on in Singapore, um, in Tokyo, like everywhere I talk to people, there's a rumbling of anxiety um, because people don't know what's going on. So when you walk into that grocery store, you can actually be flooded by the experience of other people's emotions. So it's really useful to be able to say mine and not mine, mine and not mine. So it's as if you can imagine a circle around you, you you know, like, and you can do this in a very simple way. You can just imagine a circle on the floor. Other people want to imagine a circle of light and just identify inside this circle as my space for my emotions Outside the circle is everybody else's emotions. They get to have the rest of the world. This is my little space. Because it is very, very easy to walk in and, and you know, whether you're, you're wanting to go to a woo space and go, oh, energy, or you just want to notice that people breathe differently, um, they move differently when they're in a place of anxiety, like you're picking that up. You're a radar no matter what. So, so we actually, when we're going into these places, we need to be gentle with ourselves and be aware of how to manage. This is one of the few places where I'd say manage, um, manage the experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. It does. And it, and it's great for, to hear you put some language to what we're all going through right now. 
um, because I do feel it's a very universal, I mean, it's unusual in that it's such a global and such a universal experience that, you know, we're, we're all going through in our own way, of course. But yeah, um, I, I love that you said that because I found that really helpful, really. Oh, Scott, I could talk to you for hours. I really could. Um, but um <laughs> Let me ask you, um, and I'm going to bring this to a close in a moment, but uh, I do want to ask you, there's so much richness to what you've shared with us today. And I really want to thank you for that. But I want to ask you, you know, if I was to ask you, because we're sacred change makers here, as you know, on the podcast, and, uh, and I wondered, you know, if I was to ask you, what is the change that you want to take a stand for in the world? What would you say? Uh this is such a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I love um, Gandhi's phrase, be the change you want yeah. to see in the world. So, so much of what I've, I've been sitting with lately is, is this question of like, what am I actually doing? What's really important to me? And I've been seeing this, this conversation and I've been having this conversation with people globally um, in this time of great transition. It's this beautiful time to think about, well, where do I want to transition? Where do you want to transition? What's important to you? What's not important to you? So I was sitting with this kind of in the middle of all these conversations, and I realized that most of what I do is help people find their way back home, home to themselves. So, you know, when you ask, what am I a stand for? Um, I would say, I am a stand for you finding your way back home to yourself. So much so that I was thinking, um, I was thinking with this, sitting with this, and, and I, I decided to actually create a little series of free meditations for people that's called I Am Home. Because I thought, this is the place where we have to connect into ourselves. I have to be able to sit in my own wholeness before I can embrace the woman that we were talking about, before I can embrace her wholeness and, and be able to come together. So the change outside of me, you know, I go, oh, I want to fix this and I want to fix that. I want to fix this. It, it's beautiful, that instinct to want to adjust, to want to shift, to want to create more space for other people, to want to create more resources. And I'm a huge advocate for all of that. And I recognize as long as I'm looking at the world through a lens of brokenness, you know, I'll just go around trying to fix things. Mm -hmm. um, so, so really helping people find their way back home to a place of safety, to a place of support, of wholeness, of possibility. Um, that's what I'm a stand for. And I, I want to invite folks, um, if you want to, to be part of those meditations, just go to my website. They're totally free. It's scottwmills.com front slash I am home. Um, so and, and just let yourself come home to yourself. Let yourself start to notice ah, I can inhabit this space that I call me. And the fun thing is, as soon as you inhabit the space that, you call, that I call me, that you call you, um, you actually start to expand into the space we call we. Beautiful. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you have with us today. I know that our audience will just, if they're like me, they'll have got so many insights from the conversation. And I want to thank you personally for helping me and uh, you know, raising my awareness to something that I wasn't aware of at all. Um, I found that so helpful. So thank you so much.
Oh, this is such a, a pleasure. And I just got to thank you for the amazing work you're doing in the world, Jane. From the minute I met you, <clears throat> you've been advocating for healers and change makers and creating opportunities and avenues for them to grow, for all of us to grow, myself included. And you've been an advocate for me and my own expansion. And I just appreciate you so much, both as a businesswoman, as a brilliant mind, as a huge heart, and a dear friend. So I just absolutely want to lift you up and appreciate you and all of the amazing work you do. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening in. And before we go, let me ask you, are you passionate about change? And are you looking for more meaning and purpose in your life? And if so, I want to invite you to visit sacredchangemakers.com where you can sign up for our free five-day program, Awakening the Changemaker Within, and come home to yourself at your very core. Now, don't forget, Scott has also um, offered some free meditations for you called I Am Home. Just go to scottwmills.com forward slash I am home. So whatever you do, take us up on one of these offers, because I think I share this with Scott, you know, we believe that within each of us lies the possibility to unleash the full realization of your wholeness, of your human potential. Change can be a regenerative force for good, and all change begins within as personal transformation, which can then be expressed within our lives, our professions, and ultimately creates a regenerative social impact in our world. Again, you can find our free program at sacredchangemakers.com. And I wanted you to know this because our growing network of sacred change makers are actually our sponsors for this podcast. They're the folks who help us to keep doing our work in the world. So if our episode resonated with you today, we hope you'll consider joining us. And for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being who you are in the world. And thank you for the work you do to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.